How's it going today? I'm excited to get into the Word this morning, and it's interesting how, how much when you prepare to speak on words, you realize how tested and you're tested your words are. Like when you, when you think about your week and you're, when you're focused on the fact that words matter, like all week I was like, holy cow, like my words actually are making an impact. Like I just said that to my son. I shouldn't have said that. Or that was really good that I said that to my daughter. Um, just a powerful thing. Um, so I heard this statistic this week that a fifth of our life we spend talking. Now, for those of you that um, talk in your sleep, that probably uh, would double uh, significantly. Um, but according to the internet, um, the number of words used by women per day, I'm not, I'm not trying to cause a fight here, I'm just going to throw out some statistics and then move on, okay? Um, <laughs> the number of words um, spoken by women in a given day is 20,000. The number of words spoken by men in a given day is 7,000. <laughs> now... There are some men that could rival with women, and there are some women that could rival with men. But, um, so just for the sake of, of helping us understand um, how, how much we talk, well, let's think about it this way. So if we take the average of those numbers, on average, we'll just say the average person in a given day speaks about 13,500 words in a, given, in a given day. Now, if we span that out to a year... We're talking the average person in a given year speaks 4.9 million words. That's a lot of words. 4.9 million words. Now, the average book contains about 80,000. The average novel contains about 80,000 words. So here's what that translates into, is that the average person would write 61 novels in a year with the number of words that they speak. Which means that in the span of a lifetime... The average person, if you could take all of their words and put them into books, they would write over 4,000 books with their words. It's a lot. Now, what kind of books would we write? Right? Would it be a thriller? Would it be a horror book? What kind of novels would they be? Right? Think about that. But here, here's what I think we can tend to do, is I think we can get in the moments of our day. And be like, you know, this is, like, I'm one guy among hundreds of thousands in the world, okay? Around numerous hundreds of cities around the world. I'm one guy in one place in one day in one time. What does one conversation in one bedroom of my house, why does it even matter? The words that I speak, the sentence that I speak, why does that even matter? And the truth of the matter is, is that it does. Because here's what's crazy. Most of us will never be famous. Most of us will just be regular people all of our lives known by regular people all of our lives. History books won't be written about us because our lives will just be mundane like everybody else's life. And here's what's crazy. The living God enters into that for all of us. So in your kids' room, in your dorm room, in your locker room, in your car, at your workplace, on your phone, your computer, 
But God enters into all of those. And Proverbs actually says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, I don't know about you, but like when you read that, it's like, okay, does that seem extreme? Like life and death are in the power of the tongue. Sim- simply put, here's what it's saying. Your words serve two pur- one of two purposes. Either they serve the kingdom of the living God, or they serve the kingdom of death, the enemy. So our words, at any given moment, any given time, they're serving one of those purposes. Now, think for a second about words actually impacting life, right? So life and death is in the power of the tongue. Like, it does seem like an extreme statement, but, I mean, we could go to the Internet, and you could go home, and you could Google search um, the effects of bullying and the effects that words have had on kids and leading them to take their own life. And there are countless, countless, countless Examples where words have brought people to their end. Now, it's crazy to think that what you speak can either make a person rise or fall. Do you realize that? Now, what's even more dangerous is that the influence you have on people. Okay, where you're very influential in a person's life, as a leader in their life, whether it's as a really good friend, whether it's as a, as a parent or a grandparent or, man, an influential child, that's even greater, the effect that you can make someone rise and fall, right? And we've all probably at some point had the experience where we've just destroyed. Can you think of a time when you just destroyed someone with your words? Intentional or not intentional? You might have stopped in that moment and backed up and been like, oh my goodness, I just unpacked that with my lips. Or you might have stepped back and said, like, I just unpacked that with my lips. Meant to. Every single word. Listen, with our tongues, we either lift people up or we can destroy them How many of you can think of a time, maybe when you were a child, maybe several years ago, where someone said something to you? You still remember it. Like the phrase still sticks in your mind. You'll be doing something, and it was years ago that that happened, and that will come back. For some of you, that's a very negative thought. Words have an impact. Words matter. So we all are familiar with the awful phrase that we know isn't true, that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Okay, there's no truth there. Because words have an impact. I want you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. Um, uh, we're going to be in a lot of different passages this morning. And so, um, I believe most of them will be up on the screen. But we're going to start in James chapter 3. Here we go, James 3. Uh, We'll begin at verse 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Hate this verse. For you know that we should that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. God help my words today. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his tongue, or able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. 
Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. Here's what that, that text just said. That our tongues are, have disproportionately to the power that we actually have. A disproportionate amount of power. Our little tongues, what they can do. Because what were the three examples that were given? A horse. Weighing hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You just put a bit in their mouth. And you can direct them wherever you want them to go. What else? A ship. Something very small. A very small rudder. It actually controls and steers the entire ship. Or a spark. Little tiny spark can destroy a forest for miles and miles. It's crazy. How can something so little be so impactful? It's because our words matter. It's because what we say matter. It has an impact. It has an effect. Keep reading. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile, and sea creature can be tamed. This is ridiculous. But no human being can tame the tongue. Here's what they just said. You have no ability to control your speech apart from the work of God changing your heart. We're going to get to that in just a second. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's crazy. Verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and curses. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and grapevines produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Okay, simply put, we have speech problems. Right, all of us. We say things we shouldn't say. We communicate things we shouldn't communicate. Anybody with me here? Is this true of anyone other than me? Okay, three of us. No, it's true of all of us. We know that. This morning, say something you shouldn't have said? Maybe. This morning, did you think something that got its way out on your tongue and, and you spoke that? Maybe you texted something. Maybe you posted a status. Okay, our tongues, whether typed or spoken, they wreak havoc on the world around us. They have a potential to wreak havoc on the world around us. Yet, I want to I dive into the last couple of verses here because this is profoundly important. Look at verse 8. So it says, No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know how I know that's true? Just read social media. Right? Isn't it like, it's amazing. 
Like, I guarantee you that most of the things that people post on social media, like, they'd never say to the face of a person. Right? Our words are, they can be evil. And they can destroy. They can also bring life and transform and change. Because keep going. It says it's a restless evil. With it, we bless the Lord. We curse people. And then it goes on to say, it shouldn't be so. So what do we do with that? When it says, with it we bless God and with it we curse my brothers. Stop. What, what, what do we do with that? Well, the next verse is talk about, it goes to the fact that it's inside of you. It's because of what's inside of us. Okay, so we could spend the majority of our time saying, here's how you should talk as a person. If you want to be a good person, if you want to be a good Christian, here's what you should say. Here's what you shouldn't say. But I'm just going to tell you that would be a complete waste of time. Because the Bible says that actually what's inside of us comes out. And so the words that we speak actually are an indication of the heart. I want you to look, um, if you can flip to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Okay, this is, this is huge. So, so if you're kind of fading out, this is so important. Hang with me here. Because I think so often we just think they're just words. Like, who cares what I say? Or does it really matter how I talk or, or what I say? Does it really matter? It matters because it shows us something. Here we go. Luke 6, 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the truth. Your words reveal your heart, not the other way around. Your words reveal your heart. So the things you say, listen, this is unbelievable. Listen, this is a gift, okay? A gift from God to give us this tool so we can actually see what's going on inside of us. Okay, so many of you know um, Ryan and Jamie Wagner, who, uh, Jamie just had a baby, um, Evelyn, and uh, early on in the, the pregnancy, they did an uh, uh, ultrasound, and they found out that there was a heart issue. And, and so they knew early on, hey, immediately after this baby's born, we're going to have to do heart surgery. And, and so they prepared for that. And within a day or two after she was born, they took her in and they cut her open. And basically what was happening is her heart, the valves were switched. And so the, the blood wasn't being filtered so the bad blood was actually being pumped into the body as opposed to the bad blood being filtered and, and, and then the bad sent out of the body. And here's the crazy thing. What would happen if they didn't know that? Like, think about, think about the gift of MRIs and CAT scans and ultrasounds, the gift that is to medicine. 
right? And how, how different we can attack things because we know what's going on inside. And so early on in this baby's life, even before she came out of her mom, the doctor said, there's a problem that we need to fix. And it's an unbelievable story. Because I think within a week, like they're discharged from the hospital, like a week after surgery, like they're home. Well, home. They live in Florida, but they're home. Like, can we give, like, isn't that just incredible? Like, some of you know them, some of you maybe don't, but like, that's incredible. Like, that God's that powerful that he answered those prayers. And I know there's stories where God's worked other ways, but man, we just praise God for that. But here's, here's why I bring that up. Words for us are an ultrasound into our heart that show us where we're at. Okay, now. Now we're like, oh my gosh. Right? Because it's like, like I don't want to know that. Because that, like, what, what we just said right there was that I have a lot of problems. Right? Because I don't always speak nice things. Yeah. We don't. And you know what that's an indication of? There's areas of our heart and areas of our life where the gospel has not taken root. And listen, this is such a gift from God. Okay? Because so often we, we might hear somebody say something and we might just be like... Okay? Rather than being like... Hey, it's like a, a flag that person is raising. Here's where I need the gospel. And as a church and as a community, we see that, that gospel flag that's being raised through the words that are coming out of their mouth, and we go and we love them. And we empower them with the gift of encouragement and the gift of words that bring life where their heart is dead. And we believe and trust that they're going to do the same thing for us. Listen, I guarantee you, you take any, any man, I'm just going to say man because I know men because I'm a man. You take any man that has perverted sexual speech or joking, and you know if you, if you would, could track that back in their life, I guarantee you there's some type of sexual addiction in their story. Probably present because words reveal the heart. Now, some of us are really good at holding our words so that our hearts can't be known. And we put on this front and we put on this like, I'm doing good here. Here's the lie we believe. Actually, let me go back to that example real quick. So this, this idea of, of putting on this front where we, we speak words that are good, even though like, we know how to play the church game, right? That's the best way to put it. So um, there's a phenomenal book. If you're interested in, in unpacking this more, there's a phenomenal book by a guy named uh, Paul Tripp. It's called The War on Words. You need to get that book. You need to read it. Um, he tells this story in his book where in, in the back of their house they have an apple tree. And he said that 
it's kind of a hypothetical story. I, th- I believe they do have an apple tree, but um, what, he's, what I'm about to say is a hypothetical situation. So um, the, the apples are, are just awful, rotten. They come every year, and they're just terrible. Like, you can't even eat them. They stink. They ruin the yard. And his wife's just fed up with it. And so um, he gets an idea. And so um, he gathers some things, and he heads out to the tree. And he pulls out of these bushels all these awesome golden delicious apples and he reaches in his box and he pulls out a nail gun he just starts to starts nailing all these awesome beautiful apples to this tree right starts pulling down the gross ones getting rid of them okay and before you know it you step back and you're just like wow like look at that tree like look at how awesome look at how beautiful it is okay here's the thing there's a systemic problem with that tree. Okay? You can nail all the beautiful apples you want. You can put on this facade. You can put this front on this tree. You can put this front on as a person. Here's who I am. What's going to happen the next year? Bad apples are coming out. Bad apples are coming out. Because there's something in the DNA, in the seed of that tree, that's messed up And apart from changing at the very core, at the very heart of that tree, you cannot change the fruit it produces. Listen, that's us. That's you, and that's me. And that's who we're called to be as Christians, is not just people that just try to produce, try to apple nail with our words, with our behavior. But actually, we would begin to see that our behavior and our words actually are an indication of what's going on in our heart. So then we can begin to deal with, okay, we need to cut down the tree. And we need to ask the Lord to bring new life. Listen, it's, it's, it's a gift. Like, it's a gift from God that he would give us this. Because he, here's so often the lie we believe. Right? If... if if my kids would just behave, then I wouldn't talk that way. Right? If my teacher, if my teacher would just respect me, like she just doesn't like me or care about me, if she would just respect me, then I might not talk about her to my friends behind her back. Okay? If my mom just wasn't so old school, if my boss would actually recognize me and see what I'm doing, then I can have some nice things to say. So here's, here's what we do, is we say the problem is them. So you, if all I need to do is just change my environment, change my situation, and then I'll begin to speak what I should speak. So it's the lie we believe that the problem is outside of us. And it leads to this massive amount of judgmentalism because it's like, you're the problem. My boss is the problem. My spouse is the problem. They would just do this, then I could be who God wants me to be. It's a lie, because the truth is, I'm the problem. You're the problem. The problem isn't outside of us. The problem is inside of us. Paul Tripp says, you don't fix language and words, word problems horizontally. You fix them vertically. You fix them by asking the Lord God to actually change our hearts because when we, be, when we believe the lie that the problem is outside of us, then what needs to be fixed? 
others. But when we, when we buy into the truth that the problem is inside of us, then we desperately run after the transforming grace of God, which is the point. That's the point now. So here's where I want to land us. At the very beginning, I said, Proverbs 18, 20, what was it? I don't remember the verse, 21, maybe. The death and life are in the power of the tongue. So the tongue either serves the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. So it either serves the kingdom of God or it serves the kingdom of self. So our words, you're doing one of two things with your words. Either you're serving people and the Lord or you're serving you and yourself. Um, Paul Tripp, I want to read a couple more quotes from him. This is, this is really cool. Uh, in his book, he says, uh, Cooper, fire that one up there. Uh, it says, we have to start by acknowledging that the very first words ever spoken were not spoken by a human being. You ever feel like, look, we cling to our stuff. We're in this series called Not Your Own. Like, so we're talking about, these aren't your words. I love how he unpacks this. The first words ever spoken were not spoken by a human being. The very first words ever spoken were spoken by God. Perhaps one of the ways that I'm most obviously God-like is that like God, I talk. You and I will never understand the profound importance of words unless we start here. Words belong to the Lord. What this means is that whenever you take words as belonging to you, your words lose their shelter from difficulty. You've never spoken a word that belongs to you because words belong to the Lord. They're His. And they're a tool in our hands as his children to be used to steward the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. You sense that? Like, think about that. Think about your words. Think about your words even this week, this weekend, today. Were they about you? Or were they about others? Um, let's go to uh, Galatians 5. I want to show you three passages. And really, here's what I'm just going to kind of let the cat out of the bag here. In all three of these passages, we're going to see that the answer to controlling the tongue is through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit changing our hearts. In all three of these passages, it's amazing when it talks about controlling your speech and it includes the work of the Holy Spirit in doing that. Galatians chapter 5, here's where we'll begin. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers or brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So think about that. How can, how can our words actually be a means of serving and loving? Listen, sometimes that means it's a hard word. Right? Sometimes it means there's a boldness that we speak up when someone's waving the gospel flag with not good conversation and ugly speech and negativity. And we can come and say, listen, your negativity is actually speaking to the world that God is not a God of hope and a God of promise. Verse 14, for the whole law is Fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Think about that. Think about that, that imagery of like people. 
Like some of us, the, the very people that we're destroying with our words, listen, I'm, I'm using that word destroying with our words because it's actually that. Like when we say things that are belittling, comments that are belittling, whether to someone of our own age, someone that's younger than us, someone that's older than us, we're actually destroying them. A person created in the image of God. God's given us the gift of speech for such a time as this to communicate that we might love and serve one another. Verse 16, listen, this is the answer. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the flesh. Have you ever had that moment where like, in your, like so, somebody does something and you're just like, you just want to say, you just want to lash out. Or maybe you do, and you're just like, oh, I just, said, I just did it. Or it's like this gut reaction, like somebody sends you a text, or, so, or you see someone on Facebook, and you're like, oh, I got this. You know, you're just like, send. Oh, I really sent that. Listen, you know, the answer to that is that the Holy Spirit would actually reside in us and control us. So that what would flow out of us is the nature and character of God, not the nature and character of you in your flesh. Paul Tripp, again, in his, in his book, War on Words, check this out. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, this is going to ruin you. Um, living for myself and the satisfaction of my selfish desires dehumanizes the people in my life. No longer are they, are they people to me. You hear that? No longer are they people to me. No longer are they objects of my affection and service. No, my loved ones, hear that, my, lo- my loved ones. And friends are reduced either to vehicles to help me get what I want or to obstacles in the way of what I want. So either you're going to help me get what I want or you're in the way of what I want. When they deliver what I want, I speak kindly to them. Like, I'm like, gosh, like, is, he, is he in my house? Is, he like, is, he, is this like a, a, a description of my, of my conversation with my family? When they deliver what I want, I speak kindly to them, not actually because I love them, but because I love myself and the fact that they have satisfied my desires. Right? I just think about like praising my kids because I'm like, I'm just so glad you're doing so good at school. Not just because they're, doing, because they're doing so good at school, because it makes me look like I'm a really good dad. When they get in the way of what I want, I speak unkindly to them because I love myself. And they've made the mistake of getting in the way of what I crave. Uh, a couple nights ago, I was, I was putting my kids to bed. And like, the Lord just like totally just showed me this. Because it was like night. And if you have young kids, like you, you know, like there comes a point where you're just like, hey, I'm, like after 9 o'clock, like I'm not a dad anymore. Like you're just go to sleep and I can clock out from being a dad. So if you're not in bed... Like, what's wrong with you? Right? Like, waking, like, you need some water? Like, no, water stops at 9 o'clock. You're cold out, like, you, get under your sheet. Right? I mean, like, pull your curtains off. You're like, you need, you stay in your room. I'm not a dad anymore. You don't feel, I don't care if you don't feel good. Like, cuddle with your pillow, right? No, I didn't say that, but I thought it, no. Um, 
no, but like, how much this is true? Like, in, the other night, it was like, I was more concerned about getting my kids to sleep for the sake of my own self more than I was about shepherding their heart. Like, that wasn't my, it was about serving me more than it was about serving them. Now, there comes a point where, you know, your seventh drink, like, okay, this is not, I'm going to serve you here, not me, right? I don't know what it is about bedtime and thirsty, but that just breeds waking up in the middle of the night because you peed the bed, come on. Two more scriptures, and then we'll prepare to respond. Ephesians chapter 4, go there. Another passage that helps us out by looking at the holy role of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 29. It says this. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Okay, I'm in trouble. Right? Because like corrupt talk comes out of my mouth. So like what in the world do I do with that? We're being challenged by the scriptures, by the word, because words matter. It says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only as is good for building others up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So if as God's people were to tell the world what God is like through the sending of his son, our words do that. So we've received the grace of God on our life. And because we've received the grace of God, we give the grace of God through our words. Now, giving, giving the grace of God through our words sometimes means we rebuke. So I don't want you to think this automatically goes to like, we always say this nice, Christian-like, cute-like, yeah, everything's just okay. No, sometimes we rebuke, and we correct, and we say hard things graciously. Because we've received grace. That it may give grace to those who hear. Let me just ask you this question. Do your words give grace to people? Do they? Think about that. Man, just ask the Spirit that. Spirit, do my words give grace to people? Because look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed with the day of redemption. So speaking ungodly talk which is basically whatever doesn't give grace to people is actually you pushing the Spirit of God out of your life. That's what the Bible calls grieving the Spirit. So the means by which we can actually give grace is surrendering our hearts to the Lord and letting Him fill us and transform us and renew us so that what comes out of us isn't something that we just say because we're supposed to say it, but it's actually what's inside of us because the Spirit of God is transforming us moment by moment. And where unwholesome talk comes out of our mouth, sometimes we're waving that flag and we see our own flag. And all we can do is just, you know what, I'm so sorry. We repent, we confess. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. You ever been bitter towards someone? You ever been angry towards someone? 
ever slandered someone here's here's the crazy thing to me about slander so slander is literally like the the public destruction of another okay and i use the word destruction because it might be a little little gossip but it's actually destroying them destroying their image the public slander of another here's my problem with the public slander of another is that actually what it's doing is it's saying that person, while they might deserve or while they might be walking in sin or while they might not be honoring the Lord with their life, they actually don't deserve the grace of God. So we'll, we'll slander them and say, man, here's what they deserve. But the problem was, if, if you and I were that person or in that situation, would we talk that way about us because what what do we deserve we all deserve separation from god so slander is actually believing the lie that people don't deserve the grace of god maybe because they're not walking in repentance man as god's people our hearts should break and our prayer should be would they repent not would they get what they deserve (laughs) although that's in us right Give them what they deserve. God's like, listen, I'll take care of that because I'm God and I know. I know this whole thing way better than you do. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's what informs it. Gosh, I'm forgiven. So I can forgive. The Bible says that we come from the womb speaking lies. And what does God do? He offers saving grace when we spew hatred in his face. And we're to be people that tell the world what God is like through the sending of the Son in how we talk. Last verse, Ephesians 5. I love this. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. We looked at it last week where it said, um, be careful then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So how do we live in evil days with our speech? And then now it's going to go on to say, you need the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, okay? In numerous places in Scripture, the illustration of Holy Spirit filling is, is paired with drunkenness. Because here's why. Being drunk is being controlled by a power that's not your own. Being filled with the Spirit is being controlled by a power that's not your own. I'm controlled with the Spirit of God, and what flows out of me isn't me, it's Him. And what's crazy about this verse, like, have you ever been around drunk people? Like, it's funny. Right? Like, it's kind of humorous, besides the fact that they're drunk, and it's, they're all, like, but, like, they say things that are like, they just really said that. But you know what's crazy is what they say is actually what's in them. It's like, what comes out of them is what's actually been in them. It reveals the heart And even as we think about words, look at what this says. We don't manufacture this. We're controlled by a power that's not ours. It's the power of God in us and through us. 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. Okay, so it's not like you're a walking musical. Okay? Jeff's like, thank the Lord. Right? No, what is it saying? Is that our words are like a song of hope to people. A message of the gospel to people. To those that are around us. How? It's defined by, look at verse 20. Gratitude. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you see how being purchased by the blood of Christ transforms every area of our lives, including our words? Including our words. As we go into response time, I want to say this. The Bible says that Jesus died because we have a tendency to live for ourselves. And in his death, as we're going to come up and we're going to celebrate the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, that in his death, he died so that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised. Gosh, here's what's crazy. Here's what I want to say. And maybe you're deeply convicted this morning by your words. I want to encourage you about the gift of God. In saying that shows your heart. And I want to change your heart. Listen, God doesn't want to change your words. Predominantly, primarily. He wants to change your heart. And listen, you'll know your maturity and your faith by your words because they, they reveal your heart. And so maybe you're heavy and maybe you're convicted this morning. And as we begin here in a second to go into responding to the Lord, that's just my encouragement to you. Go in repentance under the thankfulness and the gratefulness of God that he would give us such a great thing as words to to wave gospel flags to say, I need you. Because my words reveal that my heart is sick and needs some help. So God, help us. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of words. God, they're a gift. They're such a gift. And God, I thank you that you're gracious because we don't use them like we should. We're not gracious towards others. We don't steward them like we should. We say things we shouldn't say. We're cutting and we're hard on those around us. We're not gracious and loving. And God, if we're honest, our words do a horrible job at telling the world what you're like. So we just confess that. God, I, can, I confess that. So God, we just run into your mercy and run into your grace and ask that by your spirit you would change our hearts. God, that we could be a church that's not really good at apple nailing and looking really pretty on the outside, but that we could be a church that's transformed by the gospel in such a way that what flows out of our mouths because of the transforming work you've done in our hearts is grace. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. 
and the gift that it is to us, would you move as we respond to you?